Hi, I'm Dylan. I'm Sarah. I'm Derek. And we would like to welcome you to Planet Bob, where we talk about the movies and shows that made their way to our little corner of the galaxy this week. Here we are. Welcome to Planet Bob, episode 23, Back to the Future, with John and Chelsea. Hello. Hi. And we're at their house. <laughs> In Nova Scotia. So, uh, where should we start this week? I guess the first movie, Back to the Future 1. Yeah, sure, yeah. And the big-ass amp that he destroys in the first five minutes of the movie? <laughs> well, I like even before that. I like all the like weird stuff that they show close-ups of as Marty walks through the house, like his breakfast Rube Goldberg machine that he rebuilds in the past. Through Doc's house? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty neat. Doc yeah. hasn't been home for like a week, so there's like 17 cans of Einstein's food just dumped on the floor. Yeah, he's got to get better food for that dog. <laughs> it's gross. Einstein doesn't seem to mind. Well, because he's not there. That's true. <laughs> Wait till he gets home. <laughs> yeah, he'll have a big mess to clean up, Doc. will <laughs> just eat all of it. I'm surprised he doesn't have a, a Rube Goldberg machine to clean up everything. Yeah, well, they haven't invented Roombas yet, so you'd have to go to the future for that one. Well, I'm surprised he doesn't just build his own Roomba. Yeah, he builds a time machine. That's true. Roomba should be easy. Yeah. It's like Rick and Morty there that we were just watching. We just made John and Chelsea watch Rick and Morty. and It's a cartoon uh, for people out there. People out there can Google. Adult Swim, right? Uh, yeah. Maybe? Yeah. William Street's usually Adult Swim. Yeah. But he says he builds robots for fun. And he yeah. is Doc. That's true. I was just saying that that cartoon is slightly disturbing in that... <laughs> Back to the Future is like my childhood, and then you've got Doctor... It's like a combination of Back to the Future and Doctor Who, except that the Doctor or Doc is just, like, blasted out of his mind 24-7. And just yeah. a super self-absorbed asshole. <laughs> he doesn't care. Like, he just brings Morty along for an extra pair of hands. Morty is exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> well, and all the weird monsters and stuff, in a later episode... They call them Cronenbergs. Yeah, he he <laughs> screws up the, hu- the DNA of every human on Earth, right? And he starts referring to them as Cronenbergs, and he's like, "Look at that weird Cronenberg over there." <laughs> They're all like growing tentacles, and it's pretty horrible. Could have been Lovecraftian, but the Cronenberg, I think. Uh, oh, that fit it better, I think. Yeah, and reaches the audience that is watching. Yeah. Not many people know H.P. Lovecraft very well, and H. Look at those Lovecrafts I've just made. It doesn't have the same ring as those Cronenbergs. Mm-hmm. Well, and Cronenberg is still kicking. Yeah. Yeah. And still making stuff. That is true. Yeah, so I thought it was cool that, like, the intro to that movie is really kind of, I don't know, timeless. Like, all the stuff going on in his house. And then what? as soon as they show Marty, he turns 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you get Marty's outfit, and they play Power of Love, and he's got his crazy shoes on, and his skateboard, and... The movie has the best soundtrack out of any 80s movie, I think. Power of Love. All the Huey Lewis stuff is just, like, amazing. And I think that he wrote some of that stuff for the movie, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. And I don't know if any of you guys noticed, but Huey Lewis, when, when Marty's taking his test there, he's in the movie when he's auditioning for the... Right, he's the one talent of the contest. He's the one that tells him he's too loud. Right, and Marty's playing like his the, song. His song. He his <laughs> song. I just thought it was hilarious that he, it, you're playing too loud from Huey Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's cool that they got him too. Yeah. Like, to do that. 
Power of Love, and then Back in Time. That was his other one in that movie. Yeah. When yeah, I, I think, think of 80s soundtracks, I just think of The Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> That's not fair. <laughs> well, it's, well, what? It's uh, fair. I, I guess it's, <laughs> it's a good movie. It's got a good soundtrack. Mostly just that one song. Yeah. Just the one tune. Yeah, the rest, you know, give or take. Like, woo, like, this is there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a song called, Don't You Forget About Me, that one. Yeah. Yeah, that was the Ghetto Blast from Overhead, wasn't it? No, that didn't no? say anything. Oh. Freeze spray. Freeze <laughs> <laughs> spray at the end. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh. Stage freeze. Don't say stage freeze. Just do it. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, one of my biggest questions watching this movie is how the hell Marty ended up with Doc. Like, it's creepy and weird. Like, in the first place, like, how did they meet each other? Yeah. Yeah, like, why are they friends? Yeah. Because it never really explains it in the movie. And the only other adults that, like, acknowledge their relationship are like, you should stay away from that guy. Yeah, because Doc is the town crackpot. It says on the newspaper clippings at the beginning that he he lost his family fortune and... The house burned down. Yeah, things are just not going good for the Brown family. But I guess he's never around, so he doesn't care. And he doesn't seem to associate with anyone except this teenage boy. No, and I never noticed that until the third movie, he never interacts with any of the Tannins. Right. Or he doesn't care anything about the townspeople, really. No. He doesn't interact with very many people at all. No. Until the third movie. No, I was reading that actually he doesn't interact with um, the one who plays Lorraine that actress like in any of her incarnations whether it's Lorraine or any of the other relatives he doesn't interact with her like in any of the movies except for one brief introduction where uh, in 1955 Lorraine walks into uh, the in, walks into sort of the barn when it, the Lorraine's covered in the sheet and they're like hi hi and that's like the extent of their conversation for all the whole trilogy yeah I never really thought about it but yeah that's pretty true do you think you have a bigger thing is like more to say to her but I guess no. yeah no what would he care why would he want to talk to a teenage girl why would he want to talk to a teenage boy he takes them all over time <laughs> so that he can use them for in, in his experiments <laughs> <laughs> like really <laughs> just, just like Rick uses Morty oh god <laughs> yeah that's weird though that's a whole other thing <laughs> somebody to protect him from the Libyans yeah yeah he does or to throw under the bus in front of the Libyans. Yeah, to, <laughs> to like trick. Put an ad in the paper. <laughs> Wanted young teenage boy to help with the Libyans. <laughs> I think that would probably Why result would in the police coming to his house. <laughs> mess with them. Like, yeah, I'm going to steal plutonium from Libyan terrorists. No, I think he. I think it was he stole it for them. No, they stole they it. They stole it. And he was going to build a bomb with yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. They hired him to build a bomb. But then he did end up stealing it from them, like, from yeah. under their noses. But I guess Which makes me wonder when what the time frame was that he was supposed to have the bomb ready for them. Yeah. He must have been pretty confident that he was actually going to be able to travel through time. Yeah, he doesn't seem like the guy who... Well, if it didn't work, he probably wouldn't be around to, to fix it. Yeah. It seems like that would probably be uh, an explosion. What? If the time machine didn't work? With all that nuclear material on it? Uh... May not explode. You just slowly die of radiation poisoning. Which isn't better. <laughs> not better. <laughs> no, I think exploding better. would probably be better. At least it's over quick. I take that. So I like how they set up 
everything before he even goes back in time. Like, it's not a very long part of the movie. But they set up how shitty his family is. Like, his mom is a drunk and... His brother and sister are annoying and useless. A sniveling useless dude. His uncle's in jail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, that's another thing that I mentioned in in my notes is that the mood, the script is really tight. Yeah. They don't they don't introduce anything that they don't intend to pay off later. Right. Even if it's just a joke, like, oh, his his uncle that is in jail likes yeah. being in his crib because he likes being behind bars. Yeah. There's no useless dialogue to just throw throw in there to fill in time or anything. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes they do things just for a gag, but yeah. But that that is the good thing is. Sometimes in the same movie, there'll be a reference early on that pays off in a joke or in like even a more important plot point later. But they do that so often within a movie and then between all the movies, like all the references. Yeah, and you might not notice them all if you if you watch them separately. Like yeah, like year uh, what was it? Four years between the first one and the second one? Something like that. Yeah, yeah I never noticed any of this stuff. Yeah, but then you were watching them back to back. Yeah, then we watched them. We watched one and two kind of back-to-back, night, night after night. But then we came here and watched the, the second and third one before we recorded this. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you notice a lot more when you watch them close together like that. Well, yeah, like how every little business on the main street is still there in the past and then still, still there, there in the future. The West and the future. Yeah. Yeah, in 85, 85... Yeah, 85, 85, 55. 55. <laughs> so many characters have, you know, an ancestor or, uh, like, a direct, um, you know, character that you could tie them to in the other points in time. you got the, uh, the mayor, what's his name? Goldie, Goldie. Wilson. Yeah. Goldie Wilson. And his grandson in the future. You've got uh, the principal and his great-grandparents and great-grandfather in the past. Yeah, when we get to the third one, there's there's a there's a reason that the the sheriff doesn't arrest Buford Tan at the end of the movie, but we'll get to that in the third. We'll okay. get to the third one. Really? Just tell me I want to know. Um, <laughs> We're gonna forget. There's a there's a deleted scene where Buford Tannen kills the sheriff, but they decided it was too dark for the movie, so yeah. they cut it. But they they had it all filmed, so the they had the deputy arresting Tannen at the end of the movie. And then they showed the showed the test footage, and they decided, no, that's too dark. It doesn't work for the tone of the movie. Yeah, that's that's okay, something so. that's strange about the whole series. Is there is a surprising amount of violence in the whole trilogy, but you, I don't think you do ever see anyone die. No, people get shot at constantly. Yeah, and sexually assaulted. And there are, there's a lot of references to sexual assault right. and uh, implied rape. But. Wait. Someone just needs to shoot Biff straight up. Yeah. <laughs> right in the face. Although Biff in 1985, after Marty changed the timeline the first time, is actually the best version of any of the Tannins. Yeah, like change timeline 1985 Biff, where he just... Altered 85, yeah. Yeah. Where he's, like, cleaning the car, he's like... He's still kind of a jerk, but he's cool with the, uh, the McFly family. Yeah. Well, he's been whipped at that point. Yeah. yeah. Like, George became so assertive over time that you can tell like for the next 30 years or whatever he just like owned Biff over and over again until he just you know became complacent yeah he just needed to get checked although I am curious how Biff ends up becoming an asshole again by the time Griff is around 
Right. By 2015, he's back to the way he was in 55 almost. Become crotchety and. Yes. <laughs> oh, Boog. So, just so everyone knows, we might hear Boog a little more this episode because there's a cat in here and she's not pleased with the situation. <laughs> but, okay, so to go back to Biff, I think it's because the whole Tannen family line is just kind of like has some kind of asshole chromosome yeah. <laughs> on it. And if alternate 85 Biff kind of learned how to just be a normal human being because he got checked in high school that's cool but I don't think that necessarily means that his kids or his ancestors were going to be good people I think they're all just kind of I don't know you get into a nature versus nurture debate on that one but I think they're all just evil yeah yeah none of them are good people no don't mind me I'm just making so the display stops turning off okay yes like when when Biff becomes kind of um like I was saying before, complacent to, uh, you know, George and the rest of the family. That's definitely not because he's had, like, a change of heart or has become a nice person or anything. He's still a real dick, but he's just, yeah. you know, been put in his place and he's, like, relying on them to give him a job and everything. So he's just kind of, like, putting up with them and they're kind of forcing him to be a nice guy, but he doesn't want to be a nice guy. No. No. I'm, I'm a little surprised that he doesn't recognize Marty at all. At what point? At any point after after Marty returns to the present, 1985. Mm. Oh, yeah, because, like, oh, you look like that kid that I met for a week back. Yeah, you look exactly like Calvin Klein. Yeah, no, I'm not going to remember that after 30 years, though, something no. you saw for one week three yeah, years true. ago. Well, it's like, it's like people used to say on Lost, why didn't why didn't Danielle recognize Jin? Yeah, you're never going to recognize someone that long ago. Like, like 16 years before. in college, I probably wouldn't recognize now, let's be real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Plus, you don't expect to them to have <laughs> aged, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't, even if you did recognize them, you wouldn't leap to the conclusion that they are the same person. No, that's true. You would, you would just think it's a little bit aged. odd. Yeah. Or be like, oh, you look familiar, but I can't place you. Well, yeah, that or you recognize them and go to the loony bin. Yeah. Yeah. Whichever you prefer. Well, yeah, that was my argument on Lost. Is like, if Danielle does recognize him and she says anything. She's, they're just going to think that she's even more crazy than she already is because like, that would have been 16 years ago and he hasn't aged. Yeah, so he can't really be. He actually looks younger when she meets him in 2004 than he is in 1984. Maybe it's Maybelline. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's CoverGirl. Who knows? No. <laughs> Neither of those things? No. I don't, I don't like you the way you're thinking. Well, I like to, when they set up all of the town... And all the people and everything. I think because they make such a point to do that at the start of the movie, then when he goes back in time and he sees the street, it has even more of an impact and you feel Marty's shock. Yeah. Because you recognize those places too, and if they had glossed over it, I don't mm-hmm. think you would have felt the same way necessarily. Yeah. And in each of the three movies, they show a similar shot of town. He'll come into the town square and right. they'll show you like a pan shot of showing you all the little downtown core and city hall doesn't town hall doesn't change but uh, that one building off to the right hand side changes a lot it's all glass in the in right. 2015 town hall changes a bit like when Emmett kicks it when he falls when yeah. he's climbing the tower that changes the chunk is missing out of yeah the that's true yeah. yeah but it's like it's always there it's not it's but never it's like becomes a, a completely yeah. different building Whereas that one building, I, I don't remember what it was, but it was right next door to Town Hall, and it's 
all black glass in 2015. Well, it's it's the constant in town. Yeah. That and the almost like those uh, Lions Estates. Mm. Yeah. Markers. And Hill Valley. The Hill Valley sign, yeah. I like how each time that um, they transition and they go to the town square right at the beginning of the first and second movie, and you know you get the nice panoramic shots of the of the square, and, and like you said, you get a sense of place from from checking out all the changes that have been made. Yeah. And then they go into the diner each time. They go into the '50s diner the first time, and then they go into like the retro '80s diner in yeah. the future. And like the retro's '80s diner is like this mishmash of like several decades in the. It's not really all '80s stuff. No, yeah. I think Max Headroom was early '90s. I Probably. could be wrong. I mean, there are like some '50s elements in there. I think somebody's wearing a poodle skirt or something. Yeah, yeah it makes no sense. Yeah, it's like bad history. They just yeah. don't remember what goes when. Yeah, like people are just misremembering or like pulling up old cultural references and thinking that they're getting it close. Yeah, why don't we have bad '80s diner? <laughs> It's 2015, that should be happening, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was 30 years ago. Well, the date that he goes to the future is, what, October 26th? 26th, yeah. Yeah, so that's coming up in a couple of months. We're recording this on August 20th. This is the 22nd. 22nd of August. So, actually, we're going to a convention here in Nova Scotia. Um, when is that? The beginning of... Or it's actually on it's Halloween. It's the 30th. Yeah. So October 30th, but there's a, a science fiction and kind of uh, just all-around geek kind of conve- convention in Halifax. And uh, they already held a dance like to drum up ticket sales and everything. And the theme of the dance was Enchantment Under the Sea. Nice. <laughs> so they, they held that a couple of months ago. And I don't know if they have any special events planned specifically around... Back to the Future uh, for when it starts on October 30th, but I know a lot of people are going to be cosplaying as Back to the Future characters. Well, well it only makes awesome. sense because it's like right around that time. Yeah, that's before you just like mess it right up and go as like a Western. <laughs> yeah, there probably will be some Western people there. <laughs> go as Buford. Yeah, or uh, no Steampunk. Go as Steampunk. Uh, Doc uh, and Claire. Doc, yeah, from the end. Of, from the end of the movie. <laughs> I just want that sweet hat that uh, Marty's son has, the like oil colored. Oh hat. yeah, yeah. I, I like that too. I, like, why don't we have those? Yeah. Well, you just turn your jeans inside out, so that's half the costume down, right? Yeah, there you go. That's not a fashion trend that I think will catch on. They already tried that with crisscross, and a bunch of people ended up pissing their pants because they couldn't get them down in time to go to the bathroom. Really? That's what I heard. That's awesome. That's like an unforeseen issue. Yeah. With that style, yeah, for sure. This this rumor was going around when I was that age, though, so... Yeah. But that makes sense, because, I mean, you don't see button flies anymore, either, because those take forever. Yeah. Like, you gotta pee, you better hope you have a zipper. True. Truth. Nike's supposed to be making those um, auto-Velcroing sneakers or whatever. I think yeah, they did. Yeah, they're yeah, supposed they to come did. out. Yeah, they somebody out invented a hoverboard. I'm not sure. They're supposed to be selling them shortly, if not already. Uh-huh. No, because, like, yeah, I saw those online. Power sneakers. It's pretty awesome. And the hoverboard, yeah. The hoverboard exists now. But. In prototype. I guess the, the, the skate park, like, had magnets under the concrete or something. That's, like, part of the way that it works is, like, well, yeah, some kind of cryogenic magnet. right? Yeah. The, the one that that is in the board uses like liquid nitrogen to super cool the magnets 
but they still need other magnets to. Yeah, I've seen I've seen things like that, like little demonstrations where they'll take a, a frozen coin or whatever, mm. and just suspend it above a, a magnet, and you can push it and turn yeah. it and spin it, and it'll it it moves, but it kind of stays stationary at the same time. It's yeah. kind of neat. Magnets work over water. Magnets, bitch. <laughs> Those don't work on water. It would if there were magnets under the water. Although water does retard magnetic fields, so. So they have to be extra strong magnets. Yeah. They'd have to supply more power to those magnets. Um, do you think that no. once we actually hit October 26, 2015, people will stop putting that meme on Facebook? Oh my god, they That, like, crazy today is the day they went back in time. No, it isn't. Yeah. Watch the movie. <laughs> it says very clearly on the display what day it is. But people have been doing that for, like, the last five years. Like, every couple of months, somebody photoshops another one to make it that day. You could probably... I think there's probably a website by now where you can just type in any date and pull it up. Yeah, oh, probably. But no, to answer your question, it won't stop. People will keep <laughs> just going, keep going yeah. forever and ever and ever. It'll be like it will go 2055 and people will still be posting it. Maybe we'll be closer to that future, though, in 2055. True. Maybe we'll have flying cars by then because I'm kind of disappointed we don't have that. And holographic advertisements? Yeah, well, I don't need that. <laughs> That's kind of Blade Runner for me. I don't need that. We'll have that for sure, but it won't be, like, just in the air. It'll be, like, Google Glass kind of holograms. Mm-hmm. It'll be all over the place. Or, like, uh, do you guys see, what do they call the Microsoft one? HoloLens? Have you seen that? No. Okay, so you know what Oculus Rift is, right? I do, yeah. It's, I'm not sure Sarah knows. It's like a VR thing? Yeah, it's like a okay. headset with a visor that goes all the way across your field of vision. The Oculus Rift is like fully enclosed, so it's just a screen. You can't see anything through it. You just look at the screen. There is a separate screen for each of your eyes, so it gives you the illusion of three dimensions. Okay. It projects a different image on each eye. But the way that the Microsoft HoloLens works is different because it's not like a little TV screen. It's actually just a clear piece of plastic in front of your eyes, and the images are projected onto the clear plastic in front of you so you can still see everything in your field of vision but then they project the sort of image in front of what you're looking at oh weird and it would be like a heads-up display yeah like a heads-up display but not like just a flat 2d image it takes account of what you're looking at it has cameras on it looking where you're looking so if you look at a wall it can like project an image and in the right orientation so that it looks like it's hanging on the wall where you can look down at a table and it sees where the table is and it makes like a little, you know, 3D sandcastle or whatever sitting on the table and as you walk around the table it adjusts the image so that it looks like you're walking around it. Bizarre. That's yeah. weird. It's going to be neat. So cool. The future's now. <laughs> yeah. They'll be out like next year too. Like That's so weird. They're ready to go. They're selling them. And they'll probably next be year. insanely expensive. Probably. I know Google Glass was way too much. Such a nerd. Nerd. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about this the other day because it was like the one good thing that kids have now, as opposed to when I went to university, is the price of computers. Yeah. Because tuition may have jacked up even in just the like 12 years since I went into school. But you old now? Yeah. <laughs> but like my desktop was two grand. And it wasn't top of the line. It was mid-range. And if I had wanted a DVD burner, it was an extra $1,000. And the last gaming rig I built was a little less than a grand. Yeah. 
when I remember in my first year of university, that would have been eight years ago, I bought a second-hand laptop off of eBay, and it was probably like third or fourth hand because it was falling apart. It was so bad there were the rubber case was like coming apart and it would give me shocks. It was like not in good shape at all. That's not good. Just on the monitor where he's been coming off. Like the monitor wasn't even attached to the keyboard anymore. Like this thing, this thing was <laughs> slow, and I paid like four hundred dollars for it at the time. And now yeah. you could get a brand new laptop for four hundred dollars. You know, not a high end one, but you get a perfectly serviceable laptop for four hundred bucks. That it. Oh, the one that we're the, water. the one that we're recording on right now is five hundred plus tax. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, like I would have died for this in university instead yeah. of a big clunky desktop computer. Oh, you could take this to class and record all your lectures. Yeah, but I mean, I was lucky with this I microphone. Got a whole bunch. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, no one listens to that. Yeah, that's true. You did say that. I didn't know anyone listened to them anyway. Recorded lectures? Did you mm. do that? Um, once in a while, not very often. It was more like if someone was sick here, listen. Yeah. Not a whole no lot of professors. Sense. Not a whole lot of my professors offered them though. Like, well, I knew people that would take in like their mm. personal recorders. I know some professors that didn't like you to even do that. If if they knew that someone was recording, they would ask them to stop. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, or set up speakers in the in the place specifically to send feedback mm. to the. Probably because they can charge you like six hundred dollars to take the course, and they don't want their course for free online. Mm. Yeah, you could just be publishing it online on a blog somewhere. Yeah. Like the other things that they have in the movie that show, like, oh, how futuristic it is. Like, everyone has three fax machines hanging on their wall. Yeah. I know. Every room has a fax machine. <laughs> to tell you that you're fired 900 And when you get a fax, it goes to all of them. Yeah, that's totally how the future is. And that's how they fire you. You push a button and fax your house and tell everyone. <laughs> I actually wrote those down. I wrote down a list of things we do have and mm. things we don't have. Fax machines? So things we do have. We have better clothes. We have we have gigantic TVs too. They call it that one. We don't have those auto sizing clothes though. That would be kind of awesome. That's the true. The jacket you put on, you push a button, and it sizes. It auto sizes, yeah. I didn't look closely at the TV that Marty talks the needles on, but from what I'm remembering, it looked pretty close to you know, like modern flat screens. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was pretty bang on. Yeah, they were pretty good at predicting. I mean, there's some things that you can't, like... Flying cars. Like the self-drying clothes. Yeah. The yeah. jacket with the fan in it. We, we do have jackets with fans in them now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it would dry the whole thing in, like, five seconds. Though. No, if it got wet, it would probably short out. Yeah. Well, and I even wrote on here things we do have, Google Glass. But that's, that's one of the things that I like about Back to the Future, is that you can get kind of nitpicky with either the predictions or how they handle timeline stuff or physics or whatever, but mostly it's like a fun, almost like a cartoon. Like, the spirit of that movie is like just Saturday morning cartoon, like fun romp kind of thing. Yeah. And you don't worry too much about sticky details or whatever. It's just like... Yeah, because if you start thinking about the logic of the time travel, it just just starts... Especially in the future, like, um, was Biff's son, Griff? Yeah. Is that his name? Like, Griff is just a cartoon character. Like well, and and I, I question the whole thing. Like, how does how does Biff even exist if if Buford is the way he is, and how does Biff <laughs> exist if like who's having sex with these guys? Yeah, no uh, one consensually. Not consensually. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> Buford, Buford is definitely raping people, but uh, Biff, I don't know if like he he, he tries paid, really hard to get really raped. Someone or something. Yeah. A prostitute baby or something. Yeah. Considering how the first movie went with that prom date thing in the car, like yeah, 
Yeah, guy. he's a little grumpy too. I wouldn't put it past him. <clears throat> yeah. No, not at all. Yeah, it was. It wasn't anyone out here who was alive in the fifties. Can you tell us? Was it actually that rapey a time? <laughs> well, and, I mean, because even Lorraine kind of feels a little rapey when she first meets Marty and she's taking his clothes off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the first thing she says to him, I've never seen purple underwear before. Yeah. yeah. Just like, ooh. <laughs> like, one of the notes I have here is I said, uh... uh okay, well, you look for it, but that's the same as, as yeah, Chris said, lover, uh, though. His pants are on, on his mom's hope chest because she hopes to get into into them. <laughs> I thought that, too, when, when she said that. Because oh. she's like, they're on my hope chest. It's like, oh, dear, she's looking for something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I said that out loud, and Sarah said, you have to write that down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's because they're like so repressed in the fifties, and yeah. they grow up, and she, you know Lorraine grows up and tells Marty like, "Oh, I never did that kind of thing when I was young." And then she he does. sees the way she really was. Yeah. And... But it's all—it's because like that's how they're raised to to act in front of others. Yeah. And they just get so repressed that they like need it now. Or you just you know hide in a tree and watch people undress yeah. like yeah, his dad. Yeah. Yeah. His dad is a peeping tom. His mom yeah. is kind of rapey towards Marty. <laughs> Well, it's awesome because he played up as this like great love story, like oh, he hit him with a car and whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, as he fall out of the tree. Like, what were you yeah, doing? they, they even said, "What were you even doing in the middle of the street?" <laughs> like bird watching. What was that? What? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, birds. the fact that she dressed so conservatively, like, and then going to the prom, like her dress is like <laughs> yeah, way low cut, and, and she's like smoking and drinking and. <laughs> oh my God, like being a real teenager. <laughs> Everything she told her daughter not to do. <laughs> yeah. And then you look at Marty and, like, his relationship with Jennifer. And, like, he was the most upstanding, like, gentleman out of the whole movie. Yeah. Everybody's trying to, like, get on him for being a rebellious teen. And he's, like, the only moral character in, like, the whole movie. The only thing, he, the only thing wrong with him is that when he plays music, he tends to go a little too far. Yeah. Well, and that he won't ever stand out if someone calls him chicken. Mm. But he grows out of that in the third movie. That's is that something that they introduce at all in the first movie? Though? I don't. I, I was thinking about that when we were watching, and I don't. No one ever called him chicken. No, they make no one huge, challenged him. They make a huge deal out of it in the second two movies, and they, they reference each other quite a bit. But I think that was on purpose because the second two movies we mentioned while we were watching that they were made at the same time. Right. So I think they the, they were scripted together, so they knew what. And, and it makes a ton of sense that, that and you want your character to grow through there, but. I wonder why they didn't pick a characteristic that was already introduced in the first movie, because that seems like a <coughs> defining trait of him that never came up in his first adventure at all. Yeah. Well, I feel like it was there, but it wasn't spoken about. And it wasn't, yeah, it's not as in your face. Because he doesn't back down from Biff in the first one. That's true. But it's not because he's being called a chicken, it's because he's just that kind of guy. He won't, if, if he feels a, a perceived challenge is as good as a... Uh, issued challenge, I guess. Right. Yeah, that's true. At least as far as Marty's concerned. Yeah, because he still, you know, ends up getting him with the manure and. Yeah. Well, that was because Biff tried to run him down, wasn't it? Yeah. Biff, Biff tried to kill him He's with his car. He's super murdery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like people try to kill people all the time in those movies. Mostly even, just him, just poor Marty. Even in like uh, the end of the first movie, after. Marty comes back to the what is now the Lone Pine Mall, and he looks over and sees the events playing out again with the Libyans shooting. From a different perspective. Yeah, except now that Doc has the bulletproof vest, and then Marty escapes into the future again, which we'll have to talk about. Yeah. But then 
he the, he like runs over, and the Libyans are trying to chase after the new, like the the second Marty that's escaping into the past or whatever. And then the Libyans crash into the Kodak booth, and like the the band flips over and stuff. And, and then Marty just oh they, okay they crashed, and now we'll go check on Doc, and they hold a conversation, but. What just happened to the Libyans? Are they not climbing out of the van, or are they dead right now? I think, I think yeah. the implication is that they died when they crashed. Right. It's, but Marty it, doesn't seem at all phased. No, he doesn't even, doesn't even wait to see if anyone comes out. Yeah. There are a bunch of mangled bodies in that car over there. <laughs> Maybe I should check to make sure they're dead. Well, in, it's 1985, so like there was internet, but not really. Yeah, there was like... So how did Libyan nationalists get involved with Doc? Like, middle of nowhere, small town. Well, they said that it was a nuclear power dude. plant nearby, and that's where, mm. that's where they stole it from. Uh, how, they, how they met Doc, I don't know. Yeah. That's Doc probably orchestrated the whole thing, just so he yeah, could get his hands on the plutonium. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, that's true. He probably went to the Libyans and said, hey, I can build you a bomb. Yeah. All you have to do is steal a plutonium for me. That's probably exactly how it went down. Oh, I'm going to do a shout out right now to uh, my brother-in-law, Jesse, because I think he needs to do this in the future. I like that Doc's van said 24-hour science services. Yeah. Like random science (laughs) services. What does that even mean? Yeah. (laughs) I am a student of all sciences because I never... Buckled down and focused on it. Like, I don't. I can't yeah. think of a time in my daily life where I think. I wish I could call a scientist right now to come do some services for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, what if your uh, What if your telescope breaks? <laughs> the one that I don't have. Yeah, who's going to fix that? Well, I mean, I have. Why Jesse needs to get into twenty-four hour. I could get an app on services. my phone that tells me where all the stars are and everything in the sky. It's not a telescope. You can't look at them. But no. You can see where everything is. No, it's fun. It's all about the fun factor. It is. I think so. Look at that. We're like half hour in and we're still on the first movie. Well, what counts it? I like never saw that before. Yeah, it tells you exactly where you are. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Sarah's being blown away by audacity. Blown away. So that, what I was just talking about a minute ago was... When Marty gets back to the Lone Pine Mall and he sees the other Marty escaping into the future, right? Or into the past, I guess. Because the Libyans are still chasing him. So there's a couple of points that are, you know, questions there. Doc has got himself a bulletproof vest on because Marty was able to warn him near the end of the first movie that the Libyans are going to come for him. But apparently Doc doesn't do anything to either stop the Libyans from coming at all or give Marty any kind of protection. Yeah. Like, he wears his own bulletproof vest. All he does is wear a bulletproof vest. But then the Libyans still chase after Marty, shooting at him with machine guns, and so Marty is forced to escape. And the first thing I thought is, wow, that's pretty irresponsible of Doc to put Marty in that kind of danger again. Because it's not like Marty... It's not like nothing could happen to Marty. This is a new timeline, and Marty could get killed by the Libyans. But then I thought, that's probably part of Doc's plan, because... Here, here are the options. Since this is a new timeline, the Marty that is already at the parking lot when our Marty gets there to watch doesn't have to go into the past. He could just stick around and live his life. But now there's a new Marty, the one that we've been following, who shows up at the parking lot. So either the two Martys have to share this universe now forever, or 
Doc has to push the other the, the Marty from the parking lot out of that timeline and like send him into the past or the future to deal with that and I guess then the Doc that he goes to meet up with is going to have to do something similar so you've got like this infinite regression of Marty's being shunted out of the universe yeah this is one of those few cases in time travel movies where you do get an infinite loop yeah because it will have to go on forever or Doc or Marty end up dead or they end up being duplicates of Marty in some yeah, universe yeah I think you just have to end up either pushing Marty out forever or stop at some universe where they allow two Martys to exist because it's like did you ever hear of that um, it's, I, guess, I don't know if it's called if you call it a paradox or not but if you think about infinity like if you think about a hotel room this is, this is a thought experiment that someone else came up with if there's this hotel room with an infinite number of rooms and every room is full, what do you do if someone else shows up at the, at the uh, hotel? Well, if all the rooms are full, you just ask everyone to move into the room to the left of them. They move into the left and the one in the left moves you know, to the left of them forever. And since there's an infinite number of rooms, they can just keep doing that all the way down and now the first room is empty. And it's kind of like that. Like the the Marty has to get pushed out of that universe to make room for our Marty, but they just have to keep getting pushed to the left forever. So yeah. this is like that Futurama episode where they go so far into the future they loop back around to the past, ride the it universe through. Universe recreates itself. Yeah, ride it through to the current time, and then the time machine falls on the old ones to get rid of them. So yeah. then there's no issue. Yeah, there's no paradox anymore because they've killed all the originals in that universe. Okay. Sort of. Sorry, I needed like a dumb version. Similar <laughs> idea. Similar <laughs> like idea. A dumbed down version of that. Similar idea, but different. Okay. Because it's not. <laughs> it's not. not it's not creating a new timeline in that one. They're, they're, the universe <laughs> collapses and then uh, begins again. So it's it's for some reason in the Futurama universe it's an infinite cycle. So the universe will start at the Big Bang. Uh, collapse into a big crunch at the end and then reform itself with another big bang and everything will happen exactly the same way except if you do it three times the universe will be like six foot six feet lower or something like that <laughs> yeah. so the time machine will land on your on your uh, counterparts in that universe and kill them so yeah. there's no issue yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> there was another there's a Futurama movie too where they I couldn't under, I couldn't follow the logic of it but the there were time clones and all the time clones had to die or the universe would collapse. Inevitable consequence of being a time travel clone is you were doomed to die. Well, I guess like 1985, Doc presumed he was dead in 2015. Why do you think that? Well, because wouldn't he be worried about running into himself if he just moved to Hill Valley in the future? Oh, he is there. Like the, he has a newspaper, in the second movie, he has a newspaper clipping of himself being put into a mental institution. Yeah. And then at the end of the second movie, he changes that, and he's like given a commendation instead of being put in the institution. So he's already the, he's his future is already in Hill Valley. He could have, in theory, run into himself there. It's just could weird because I wouldn't be like if I'm going to go to the future, I'm going to go to like 2045. Like, I think I'd go further than that. In the year 2525. I yeah. thought though, <laughs> I thought that there wouldn't have been another doc waiting for him in 2015 because he would jump forward into the future the same way that Einstein moved one minute into the future at the very beginning of the first movie and like the way he just explains that is Einstein's clock is one minute slower because he skipped over that minute in time 
Like, and I guess that that's what I thought would happen to Doc the same way. If he moved from 1985 straight to 2015, he just didn't exist from 85 to 2015, ever. Yeah, he's, he's missing that time. Yeah. But he could go back to that time at any point. Yeah, he could. But I don't know if he did. I'm not sure. I missed the date. On, I missed the date on that. Oh, okay, paper. that I'm makes sense. At. I get this is coming together. Yeah, yeah, because Einstein is missing from the timeline for that one minute, so his clock shows that he was he's he's missing a minute from his time. There's personal timelines, and then there's the universal timeline. Yeah, which can get hard explained explaining to people on IMDb. I don't know if my explanation of like infinite. Marty's being pushed to the side is right though because the way that they handle like tangent universes or alternate realities is weird in Back to the Future because yeah it's it's not they have easily a, followed they have a primary timeline but then whenever you go back in time to create a tangent timeline it erases the primary timeline and I was always kind of like fuzzy on how that was supposed to work whenever I just watched the movies um, I thought that it was kind of, you know, you just take it for granted that, yeah, it's kind of a illogical story construct, like with the photos, you see your siblings disappearing in photos, and it's not an easy way to explain it, but just go along for the ride and ignore that. Mm-hmm. But then I read some comments from, I think it was Zemeckis or one of the writers, that was saying, no, they've actually thought this through, and this is the way that they intended it to be, that You've got a primary universe, you go back in time to change an event, you've now created the side timeline, and if you remember in the second movie, um, Doc actually draws this on a chalkboard, like it goes yeah. off to the side. But then, if you can imagine that first line from the primary, after it branches off into the second one, the rest of the primary branch gets erased off the chalkboard. I don't know if he does that in the movie, but you can imagine that he would. Like, that that alternate present or alternate future no longer exists anywhere ever except in the mind and memory of the time traveler. Yeah. That's different from how I looked at it. I look at it from the the moment you introduce change to the timeline, you then exist on that timeline. That part is true. But the other the other timeline that you came from now no longer ever existed after the point at which you made the changes. Well, I would have figured that if you went back before that time, that you could, in theory, switch over depending on what you do. Switch back to where you were? Yeah. I think you could maybe switch back to something that is similar to it in appearance, but you would never actually get back to your real. What you're yeah, saying you've is, made a change. Mm-hmm. What you're saying, too, is preferable because otherwise Jennifer is on that bench in the, in the Biff Tannen universe. Yeah. And Bad things are happening to her. And the way that they explained <laughs> that is that when you're a time traveler and a change occurs, there's something special about you, like about your molecules or whatever. They stay the same and the universe changes around you. And that's why Jennifer was still on the bench, even after the universe became like nicer. The night the neighborhood became as Reset cleaner. itself to yeah. close to what it was originally. Yeah, she was still in the same spot, but like the universe reshaped itself around her. Yeah, the bars came off the windows. Yeah. Yeah. A bad place. Yeah, she, nothing good happened to her there. No, nothing good. That's another thing. Like you think about it for a second, and Marty left her in that neighborhood, and terrible things probably happened to her. <laughs> but they don't make any reference to that. 
Marty doesn't, up there. Marty doesn't even think about what might be happening to her after he gets attacked in the in what he thinks is his house. Well, her whole character, like she's got a couple of scenes where she meets her old self, and that's funny, but for the most part, they just cut her out of the movie as much as they could. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize when I watched it as a kid that they changed the actress that plays her yeah. between the first movie and the second movie. But then it's funny because when the second movie starts and they kind of redo all those scenes with the new actress from the end of the first movie, she gets into the car and you think that they're going to go on an adventure and immediately Doc just knocks her out. Yeah. And it's like, oh, Marty's like, oh, no, what's going to happen? He's like, don't worry, she's not important for my plans. <laughs> By which yeah. you could think, don't worry, we wrote the script without her, it's fine. We, we found a way to cut her out of the script. Yeah, now she's means. only there to be your romantic interest at the end of the movie. Yeah. Well, the yeah, reason for wanting said, to return to the present. They didn't the first want days. her in it at all, but they were stuck because at the end of the first one they put her in the car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they had to have a reason for her to be around. Because they didn't want to do uh, an Evil Dead and just have a completely different. Different people playing the same characters. Oh, they just didn't want her character there. They yeah. didn't want to work around it. Like, well, when we talked on our Evil Dead show, like the 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 ends of the movies don't match up with the beginnings of the next one. Kind of does. Well, there's some pretty big changes between the movies, though. I don't I don't want to get into it now because that's a whole different show. Their their continuity is a lot better than the Evil Dead ones. Yeah. What? Anyone got any good other stuff they want to add to this? I heard some stories about, like, outtakes and bloopers and that kind of thing from the movie. Um, one of the things that reminded me of it was when we were talking about the, the timelines being erased. I haven't seen this yet, but there's supposed to be a deleted scene of old Biff who goes back to give young Biff the almanac. And so when he does that, he gives Biff the almanac. Biff is going to change the future so that old Biff would never become that crotchety old Biff, right? He's going to become, like, skeezy old rich Biff instead. Yeah. So the timeline has to change, and so in the deleted scene, he, like, vanishes or somehow is shown that, you know, he disappears out of the timeline in some way. But they cut it out of the movie because they didn't think that people would follow what was happening. They thought, oh, that's going to be confusing for people. Well, and going back to that, I brought up when we were watching the second one, uh, how does... Old Biff get the the DeLorean back to 2015 in order for Marty and Doc to use it if he's already altered the timeline. Yeah, I'm sure that's explained, but I think we just missed it. I can't remember how they do that. Yeah, because like he goes back in time and he gives his past self the almanac, mm-hmm. and then he brings the car back where to exactly where it was left by Doc and Marty. Does but, he? Maybe it's okay. Well, because they get into it and they they was go. Was that the, the one that he used though? He the. Well, there's only one DeLorean, I think. At one point... Because they parked the one out in front of Lions Estate. Yeah, because they find the almanac in it. which Or they find the, the, the bag, the bag and the receipt mm. for the almanac in it. Yeah. But I think... Okay, does this make sense? If Biff comes back to the future before 55 Biff uses the almanac, timeline's still the same, right? He hasn't used it yet. He hasn't well, won been... any money, so nothing is that different. So maybe he just, like, gave you, here you go, use it, peace out, and then went to the future. He could have, but then if the... But by giving him the book, he's already introduced change. Yeah, and if the comments that the writer made are true, then once Biff, once young Biff starts to use it, then all that ripple effect, that's what they call it, it's ripple effect, is going to make its way to Biff no matter where he tries to hide in the timeline. 
Because at some point, the ripple will just make it through the whole universe and he'll cease to exist. Yeah, it's going to overwrite what, what was there. Yeah. Okay, well, I got nothing then. Yeah, I don't... That's, that's the one beef I have with this movie, is that I don't understand how that worked. Yeah, yeah that's weird. It's not a huge thing either. Like, I never thought of it until recently. No. But it is, it is kind of a big deal. It, it introduces an inconsistency to the time travel aspect, which is what the whole movie is based on. Mm. Check and see if there's. I'm trying to see if I can about follow it. through the timeline. It'll probably take me way too long to find it, but I feel like that was explained, but I just missed it. You could draw us up a graph like the ones that you made for me when we were talking about lost timelines. Actually, there's a really good graph on this website already that shows kind of um, back and forth, uh, just the jumps that are made, and it shows the ripple effect. Like, it shows that the ripple effect only ever acts forward, right? Because you can go back in time, make a change, but that only changes events forward from where you yeah, are. Yeah, from that point forward. Right? It does a good job of showing that. Although, could a time traveler erase their, their reason for time traveling and create a paradox that way? Well, that's the thing, right? Is the universe changes around the time traveler so that none of their experiences none of their experiences ever really happened except to them. Like, they become an anomaly in the universe. So they pop up somewhere for no apparent reason. Yeah, like, you could say that they are a paradox. There are no paradoxes in the timeline itself except for the thing traveling. It, like, for example, um, uh, let's see, what would be an example? Marty going back to 1955... That's a bad example because he did still need to the second time around because the Libyans still chased him off. It's hard when they create infinite loops like this to to find examples. You could think of an example, though, where um, you go back in time but then prevent the reason you ever had to go back in time from happening. But you still exist there. I guess you could use Marty as an example. It'd be like a time traveler going back to kill Hitler. Yeah. And then they return to the present and Hitler's dead so they have no reason to time travel in the past to kill Hitler. Right, but in the case of Back to the Future, that person would still exist in the universe as their own anomaly. Like, their past never happened, but they're still there. That's just, that's like the one thing you have to take as a given with the movie. So if Marty had killed Biff in 1955 when he had the almanac... Mm -hmm. When he returned to the present, would that would Biff no longer exist? If if Marty killed young Biff yeah. in 1955, and then Marty traveled to 1985, yeah, then Biff would still be dead. Okay, but Marty would still remember all of the other incarnations of Biff, even the old Biff, because although they although old Biff now never existed, quote unquote, he still remembers him when he used to exist in the universe. In and because the it's not self-consistent time travel, it's, yeah. not, it's almost like the time, keep doing it. It's almost like the timeline has its own timeline, yeah. like a meta timeline, where the timelines used to be different, but now they are not that way anymore. That's a weird thing to think about. <laughs> time having its own sense of time. Well, they have that on Lost, because the, the universe wants to maintain its own continuity. Mm-hmm. So they introduce course correction. Yeah. I was never really happy with that part of it. I was, we no, it's really hard to it's really hard to deal with. Yeah, it's kind of just the something. universe having a will. Then you have to have a god of some sort. It makes good storytelling. Like you can tell good stories with characters using those devices, but I don't think it's as satisfying uh, a plot device as consistent fixed timelines. 
like Bill and Ted? Yeah, we were talking earlier about Bill and Ted has a fixed timeline. What happened, happened always. Yeah. Like, they go and plant the keys in behind the flower pot or whatever, or the plant pot. And Rufus is always responsible for giving the, the, the time travel device and then yeah. passing their test. And they set up the cages to drop down on people and everything. And what happened, happened. And no matter what you try to mess up in the past, you can't mess it up. No, it'll, always, it'll always play out the same. And with Back to the Future, it's on the other end of the extreme. Anything can change. And in fact, if you change something, it's going to wipe out what used to be there. But then Lost is like somewhere in the middle where what happened, happened. But you can make a change. It's just that it's going to correct itself back so that it finds another way to happen that way. And a lot of people didn't like that because then they're like, well, what about free will? Yeah. Like they could still make whatever choice they want, but the universe is decides the outcome of any choice. I think it's kind, of, it kind of sounds like Terminator. It's exactly like Terminator. Yeah. Okay, sweet. <laughs> and then, Woohoo! I get it, sort of. And it's fine. It's fine. I get first. it. I don't get it. <laughs> it's fine for a story. Like, I, I don't know why people would complain about free will because the point is that it raises questions about free will and does a good job of doing that. Yeah. Well, because people on Lost, because it's all about the characters, they want their choices mm-hmm. to mean something in the overall grand scheme of things. Yeah. But the universe wants things to happen a certain way. Humans are pretty uh, relatively non-existent as far as the universe is concerned. Mm-hmm. What we do doesn't matter that much to the universe. It just wants things to happen a certain way. Right. We're getting a little off topic here. <laughs> no, you're kind of on topic. It's time travel. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're at 57 minutes. We did pretty good. Yeah, that's true. Sarah wanted to point out that the uh, the Libyans are driving a... Uh, a VW van yeah. so we're yeah. gonna we're gonna say that it's not actually Libyans it's Dharma posing as, <laughs> as Libyans trying to get Doc to build them a time travel device that's yeah. true <laughs> or maybe a bomb to go off underneath the hatch yeah that's it that's it they're they're building a second Jughead device so yeah. they can claim it under the under the Swan Station hurts. <laughs> <laughs> and people listening to this who are listening to Lost along with us must be mad that we haven't done one in a long time have no idea what we're talking about. Because we're on, we just finished season two. Oh, really? <laughs> and we're going to start it back up when we like, that happened fucking months ago. Yeah, like when when uh, Shannon died. I know, I was like, that happened like weeks ago, why are they so worried about it? Because like, it was yesterday day. on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched it two weeks later. It was the last night on the show. <laughs> there's some good bloopers from the movies as well, like uh, in the first movie when... There's some good bloopers in the movies, like in the first one, where... Um, Marty and Lorraine are sitting in the car and she's like talking about oh I've parked with a boy before and then just pulls out a flask and starts drinking and then Marty takes it away from her and she says something else oh she starts smoking a cigarette and he like downs a big swig of whatever's in her flask and in the in the movie or in the you know filming it it's just water but uh, there's this story and it might even be on film as well about uh as they did take after take of this, with him taking a big swig of the water, eventually they swapped out the flask with one with, like, real alcohol in it, and he didn't know. So he goes to take this big gulp like he always does, and it's real, so he spits it out for real. He's supposed to do a spit take, but he spits it all over the windshield. <laughs> I don't know if they put, like, vodka or gin or something in it, but... You put something with a really strong taste. Yeah. Like moonshine or something. Yeah, moonshine. <laughs> Yeah, Gross. something that would definitely make you spit it out. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure if you were expecting water, it wouldn't matter. You would spit it out. Anyway. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's Buckley's in there. Oh. That's, <laughs> yeah, right? that's guaranteed a spit take. 
We already talked about his, his mom's hope chest thing, so we don't need to recover that ground. Well, and I think it's funny, it's another one of those situations where I guess they were saying that the dude that plays Biff Tannen is actually a super, super nice guy. It's like super sweet guy. And it reminds me of how... Joffrey? Joffrey. Yeah, when they asked everyone on Game of Thrones who the best guy was, it was always Joffrey. Yeah, that's what I thought of, too. <laughs> but Did I guess you guys... he's got to be like really nice to play an asshole and really evil to play like or really not okay really evil to play really nice to play an evil person and really smart to play a dumb person because mm. a lot of the people that play highly unintelligent characters are super smart like Phoebe yeah from Friends or uh, um, Lisa Kudrow is actually a super smart person <laughs> what's his name uh, 30 Rock or not 30 Rock uh, Parks and Recreation guy who plays Dave's comedian stand comedian he's like my favorite comedian and I don't know why I can't think of his name who? Uh, the guy who plays the cop who dates Leslie. Oh, um, Louis C.K. Oh, Louis C.K., thank you. I don't know why I couldn't think of his name. <laughs> he's so good. He, he, uh, he's like <laughs> one of the most intelligent stand-up comedians in the world. He's like sharp as a tack. He's got the best wit out of anybody. Yeah. And the character he plays on Parks and Rec is like this slow, dim-witted cop who like can't string a sentence together. Almost yeah. every actual role he plays, like any movie he's in or a TV show, he ends up playing kind of a dummy. I don't know if I've seen him in any other shows as an actor. Uh, well, he doesn't. He's, he doesn't. He's not an actor. Yeah. And he he makes that very clear. He like he gets kicked off a lot of th- a lot of things he gets brought on to because he's not good. But because <laughs> he's not good. Well, I mean, it's like us with this. We're not good at this, but no one can kick us off our own show. Truth. <laughs> he's great on. Parks and Rec. I love his character. Yeah, and Louis is really good too. If you've ever seen that, yeah, it's his own it's show. It's a lot of like his stand-up material, isn't it? Put in. Yeah, that. it's like it's things from his real life that he puts uh, a comedic spin on. I've seen snippets of that show, and and they've always been like parts of his stand-up that I've heard him say on stage, but like put into a skit. Yeah. basically. Yeah, and a lot of that comes from, like all the stand-up comes from his real life too. That's yeah. like he's an observational comic, right? So. Yeah. But uh, there was one episode where he, he's being heckled from the audience. Not even really heckled, but a woman is talking in the audience. So he starts giving her shit, like like a comedian should when they're being heckled or someone's talking during their show. And then she gets really mad about it. <laughs> but I guess it's based on something that really happened to him. Right. And like the lady came up to him at the end of the show, and she's like demanding an apology from him. He's like, you're interrupting me while I'm working. Why should I apologize to you? <laughs> And she just doesn't understand why it's a shitty thing to do, to talk during his show. Oh, did you guys ever hear the story about um, the Universal executive who wanted to change the name of the first movie? No. No. They thought that Back to the Future was a terrible title because it was confusing and that, for some reason, people wouldn't go to a movie that had future in the title. Like, I don't know where he came up with that, but... Yeah, just some made-up shit in his yeah. own head. he was like, oh, that'll never sell as a title. So he, he liked the movie, but he wanted to rename it. Um, and so he, he thought about that scene where the kids got the comic book with the spaceman on it, and then Marty shows up, and they think that the DeLorean is a spaceship. And I think the name on the title... The title of the comic book is, like, Spaceman from Pluto, and that's what this uh, Universal executive suggested naming the movie. Space. Spaceman from Pluto, right? <laughs> and so Zemeckis, the the director, and Spielberg, who I think is a producer, yeah, um, 
they they saw this email or message or whatever from the Universal executive, and they're like, "That's an awful title. He's gonna kill our movie." And so they thought like really hard about how they can turn him down or like try to convince, convince him he's wrong. Yeah, without getting themselves fired or something. And so Steven Spielberg writes him back this letter to the to the Universal executive and says, ha, "That's a good one. I told everybody about your funny spaceman from Pluto joke, and everybody thought it was hilarious. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and so he was too like ashamed to tell them it wasn't it was a, a real joke. idea. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> well, that's a, how do you think it's a good name? Yeah, that's terrible. That's it's even clearly that's horrible. even more confusing. <laughs> yeah, way more confusing because that's. Like it has you would have to, to be do. really paying attention to what's printed on the screen. Yeah, I never read the title of that comic. No, <laughs> awful. I just saw that it was very close to the outfit that Marty arrives in. Yeah, I well, guess that so. would have been really messed up because in the actual movie he says he's from Vulcan. Mm. Yeah, Darth <laughs> yeah. Vader from Planet Vulcan. That's what they should call it, Darth Vader from <laughs> <and> Planet Vulcan. <laughs> I would go see that. Yeah, I know you would. Just based on that, that would get me into the theater for sure. The only upside to the spaceman from Pluto was that it would have like a '50s vibe, but it would still be just too confusing. Yeah, yeah, because it really has nothing to do with the plot. It's just a, a comic book that happens to show up partway through the movie. Well, and how dumb would he feel now since Pluto is like not a planet? Yeah, it's not even. <laughs> or a planet is it again anymore. now? What is it? Now? It's, it's a, a dwarf, planet. dwarf planet. Oh, so it's sort of a planet. It got like fifty percent planet status back. Well, it sure. is now the largest of all dwarf planets, so that's there a pretty go. good. Spot it has something going for it. Something but I've known. It's probably a good decision because there are like three other objects out there that are almost the same size as Pluto. So they'd all have to be planets too. Yeah. So make them all planets. Make them fun. Too long. Too many planets. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it simple, Sarah. No. Also, I don't think anybody ever wanted to give in and be like, you know, all those crackpots who used to talk about Planet X. Yeah. And like, there is no other planet out there. You're all crazy. And then if they admit that those are planets, then they have to be like, well, they're... Maybe it was Planet X. Kind of there was. <laughs> sort of, I guess. Except I think they said Planet X was supposed to like come by Earth, which is crazy. Yeah, it had a really long elliptical yeah. orbit and it would pass between the, the Earth and the Sun at some point. Mm. I don't care so much about Pluto as long as they make brontosauruses, dinosaurs again. I'm cool with that. I think they, they are still keeping them. There was one team that tried to say that they shouldn't be, but I think that they're still leaving it the way it was. Well, because Littlefoot, <laughs> you can't mess with that. <laughs> oh my god, my friend Miranda had her cover page on Facebook was Littlefoot with a tree star, and he looks up in the sky, and there's like his brontosaurus mom in the sky, all like Lion King style, and it almost made me cry. <laughs> Did you guys ever see any of the footage of... Um... The other actor that they had to play Marty before Michael J. Fox? No. Uh, what's his name? We got Wasn't it supposed to be like Eric Stoltz or something? Eric yeah, Stoltz, I think. yeah. Yeah. I don't know what he's from. I don't know if I've ever seen You've him. You've seen him. Mask? Like The Mask? No, Mask. Uh, Which, it's a movie Cher. with Cher. I don't know he plays a guy with like really bad facial deformities. He's in oh. a lot of stuff. Oh he's my in God. The Prophecy. Yeah, The Prophecy. With Christopher Lambert. <laughs> He's in uh, No, Pulp not Fiction. Christopher Lambert. I've never seen Christopher Pulp Fiction. Walker. You've never seen somehow, Pulp Fiction. Somehow. Hmm. You've never seen Pulp Fiction? Somehow, yeah. I've Dude. Lived, I've lived it without seeing it. Dude. I actually wanted to watch that because we were talking about it the other day. 
But I did see his scenes that Eric Stoltz filmed. You can find them on YouTube. And the reason they got rid of him after like four weeks is because they were going for like the fun Saturday morning cartoon vibe like I was talking about before. And he brought like this weird sinister like seriousness to the role of Marty. And you can tell just from the couple of scenes he filmed. You can see like the diner film where he first runs into George McFly. And, you know, there's like that good scene of the, the bells tinkling and like Marty leans over with the shocked look behind George. And uh, then Biff comes in and they fight and everything. But Eric Stoltz in that role, it was just like, it changed the whole tone of the scene. Yeah. You thought something was going to go down and it wasn't going to turn out well. Well, yeah. you, you you watch this movie and you, you feel like at, with a slightly different tone, if they show the scenes in a slightly different light, yeah. it could be a very different movie. Yeah, so a, a much darker movie. That's what it would have been with Eric in the role instead. There was uh, comments from um, the actor who plays Biff. There's that scene where Marty pushes him back finally, and he said when Eric filmed those scenes instead. He was pushing Biff so hard that he almost broke his collarbone. And he told him, take after take, like, calm down, be a little gentler, like, it's not a real fight. (laughs) Yeah. Every time, Eric would just come, like, put his full weight into the the, uh, attack. And Biff was saying, like, he he couldn't wait for the scene where he gets to beat Marty up a little bit later on because he said he's going to take it out on him. <laughs> but uh, no, like he, he was way too serious into the role and like brought the dark side out of Marty and they said, we can't deal with you anymore. Like he was treating it like a... Like, uh, like a serious drama. Like an action movie or something. Yeah. A revenge film. Yeah. He's been in a lot of stuff, eh? Yeah, he's got a lot of credits, oh. but a lot of it is like... Bad. Or indie. But yeah, a lot of it is bad. I did like how uh, in the third movie I met and Clara bond over their mutual love of Jules Verne. Right. To the point where they even named their their mm. sons Jules and Verne. And then they go on to have like a cartoon series. Yeah. I remember watching the series but I have no <laughs> idea what happened to any of it. I remember it was mostly the boys getting into trouble. Right. I've never seen any full ep- excuse me, full episodes. I've seen snippets on YouTube. But um I don't know, I thought that the ending was kind of the cheesiest part. Like, you could tell that it seemed like they only introduced the the kids so that there could be some spin-off or something. Yeah, yeah. and the, the, whole, the whole line at the end that, that Doc gives to Marty about how the, the future's not written yet, nobody's is. Yeah. Like, that's the ultimate cheese. They didn't need that in the movie at all. Well, not only did they not need it, but it kind of goes against, you know... Everything it, they did? Well, all of the stuff that we talked about earlier, like timelines existing in the past, present, and future, but being malleable. Like, the reason that the fired, the your fired used to be there is because, yeah, your future was written, it's changeable, but it's not like that, it's not like the your fired image disappearing shows that your future is unwritten. It shows that your future is now written to be where you're not fired. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and, like, the only reason that you're not fired is because you knew about a car crash. Mm. And you, did he, you, you did got he know the lesson. Did car crash? Yeah. I, I know Jennifer heard about it, but I can't remember him. Doc said something about it near the end. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if Marty was aware yeah. of the accident or not. He didn't tell him anything more than a car crash, but he because knew Because I, I felt like the 
he chose not to raise needles because of uh, what he heard about Martin McFly when he was talking to Seamus in the past. And he said that his his brother used to never back down from fights either because he felt like it would make him look weak. Yeah. And that's how he ended up dead, getting stabbed in, in the gut in a bar in Virginia. No, that like put him in the right frame of mind, but he was only able to connect the dots because of some comment that Doc made near the end. And I then, thought that the car accident, like he realized after when they were looking at the... Mm-hmm. They saw the bends pull out, and then the, yeah. the truck almost I don't hit. think he knew, like, when he was at the intersection, I don't think he knew, oh, this is when I'm going to get in that car accident. He was just thinking, I know I'm supposed to get in a car accident sometime, so maybe I just better cool it. Well, maybe I should stop yeah. being an idiot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. my namesake got stabbed. I should probably <laughs> chill out. Yeah. Yeah, being called a chicken is not the worst thing in the world. Uh, no. What people think of you is not the most important thing in well, the world. Well, yeah, like, if someone was... Outside of a bar, saying "Come out here and gunfight with me," or "You're a turd," you're, you're a yellow turd. I'd be like, "That's cool." Then I am a turd. <laughs> I'm down with being a turd if I don't get bullets in me. Well, and that's like that's the point that Seamus keeps trying to make to him through the whole movie, which was supposed to be Crispin Glover. Originally, that was supposed to be Crispin playing his great-grandfather or whatever, great-great-grandfather. Right. That's another thing that I never noticed when I was younger, is the first thing was I never noticed Jennifer was replaced, and then I never noticed that Crispin Glover wasn't the uh, wasn't George in the yeah. second two movies. Yeah. Yeah, and I noticed, I, I only paid attention this last time because Sarah mentioned it, but you can, you can see that it's not Crispin Glover. Right. And they take pains to not show him in close-up. Yeah, either the, he's not in close-up. Or they up. distort him. Yeah. Put him upside down. Yeah, they put him upside down. Like It, w- it did make it harder to recognize him. Mm-hmm. And then there's the scene where Marty is in the principal's office and he looks out the window to see George getting his arm twisted around by Biff and like the Venetian blinds in front of the window just perfectly go across George's face. Nice. But I didn't. I didn't know that he was replaced, and I looked up earlier why it was, why he didn't come back for the movie, for the second movie, and there are different accounts. But the last thing that Crispin Glover said was, one, he wasn't offered enough money. He was only offered half as much as the the one the one who played Jennifer in the second movie, and she was barely in the movie. They had. They would have had equal yeah. screen time. Right, roughly equal screen time, and he was only offered half as much. And he's like a bigger star. Yeah. For what even was no, at the time. More known than Elizabeth Shue at the time. And then the other reason he claims was that at the end of the first movie, he had some comments to make about how the first movie ended. And he brought the comments to the director and the writer. Basically, his complaint was, Marty comes back from his adventure in the first movie, and his family is so much better because his father is, you know, confident and his mother isn't an alcoholic and his brother is successful and his sister is popular and they all have a lot of money, right? And Crispin Glover's comment was, why are we making the reward for the hero, like, monetary gain? Shouldn't it be like he ends up in the same situation but things are better because of love or something? And they're like, yeah, make it something uh, a little more emotional. Yeah, but instead it was just like, yeah, your life's better because now you got cash, and that was Chris McGlover's complaint. So um, he brought that to the to the directors, and apparently they got in a they got in a little tip about it and asked him to not come back. Well, I, felt, I, I felt like I don't the family see wasn't that bad. The family wasn't that bad. 
they were annoying and obnoxious, but like they were, they loved each other, they cared about each other. Yeah. Like the only thing that could improve their lives, as far as I could tell, was money, success, personality. Yeah. That to me was a big one. He comes back and yeah, the alcoholism and the fear and his father are gone. Yeah. Yeah, and that's to, like the two best to thing Darko, you could do for his parents. Like, going to the Donnie Darko show. Give his dad some balls and they, make they his mom. Rejected, like, they rejected fear and lived in love. Yeah. <laughs> well, think, and I, I think the thing with the money that I like is that they were they already set up that the car is destroyed. He can't go he can't on go his trip anymore. to the lake. Yeah. Right. His car is totaled. Like Biff fucked it up. Can't do anything fun anymore. And then he comes back. Oh, here now you have your own truck. Problem yeah. solved. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've just uh, finished waxing your truck. Yeah. So I feel like that's why they paid off with money. Not necessarily because money equals happiness, but because Biff took away his car. And yeah. then by checking Biff in the past, he gets a car back. Mm-hmm. I think to that... fight with Crispin Glover. That's kind of how I feel <laughs> Crispin probably would have said, like, oh, you could have kept them in the same situation, like, financially or whatever. Just but just the made, like, uh, just get rid of the alcohol thing. Stunted. Yeah, just get rid of the alcohol thing and get rid of the, you know, the confidence issue with George. If they were just like happier in their same situation, that would have been enough reward. Yeah. But I guess the problem with that is that you, as a viewer, it doesn't come across as strongly. Like, is that a real permanent change, or are they just having a good day? Yeah, that would yeah. almost that would almost require a longer ending, so you get yeah. to see more of how their personalities have yeah. changed. You can't just like present that in a quick scene. Well, and if his personality, if the, like if the previous timeline is showing Mr. McFly as like a sibling, I'll do anything you want, kind of worker drone for Biff. The total opposite of that is for Biff to be lowly and for him to be the boss. Powerful. Mm-hmm. Which comes with money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So by showing, yeah, him as the boss and Biff as the worker, like, that's huge. That's a huge change. Yeah. Which would make sense-ish. But we're, like, an hour and 20 minutes in, so we should probably... Yeah, we could probably call wrap it a up. day. Play some cards against humanity. Yeah. If they're so awake. <laughs> if that. <laughs> So uh, we'll come back at some point after we're back in Ontario. Uh, no idea what sh- what movies we'll be doing or anything like that, but we'll say goodbye for now. Keep keep you up to date on the website. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for being with us. <laughs> this has been Welcome to Planet Bob. If you know any shows or movies you think we should discuss, find me on Twitter at King of Bob. That's at King underscore of underscore Bob. And Derek, you can find me at Lars M on Twitter L-A-R-Z-M and this is Sarah I'm on Tumblr at Welcome to Planet Bob you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Welcome to Planet Bob thanks for listening to our show and we hope you tune in next week